0: I just have really tried to convince people social media is a ministry. It's not some sort of neutral, you know, hobby in in which you happen to, you know, dabble from time to time. It is actually a real life thing. And, you know, like, there's a phrase out there I'll hear people say things like, you know, well, Twitter's not real life. And I don't know what they mean by that exactly. And I get that sort of like, you know, because you're in an echo chamber, Uh, most of us are at least, but I do think that there is something to the fact that you are engaging with real people and real people are watching what you are saying and to not handle yourself in a way that is as if I'm interacting with real people is to make a massive mistake with regard to public witness and also simply with regard to relationship building. I think that we burn bridges whenever we decide to come out swinging.
1: Listening to the Pocket Pulpit Podcast with Sarah Kinzer and Hector Martinez, part of the TCD Podcast Network.
2: Oh, well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Pocket Pulpit Podcast. I am your co host, Hector, and we've got our co host, Sarah, here. Hey, hey. hey and uh, today we're joined by our friend and guest, Steven Vesner. Hey, hey, Steve. hey, guys. What's up? Hey, how you how doing? doing? Good. Good. Yeah. How's your day going?
0: man it's friday it's great yeah (laughs) friday
1: friday is you know it's the lord's day they're all the lord's days but man friday is very very precious to me i love friday i get to stay home and spend some time praying and get some quiet reflection and vacuuming so i do love a good friday um hey Steve. So I I know you, Hector knows you, but maybe some other people don't know you. Um can you tell us a little bit about who you are?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um so I am the pastor of Houston Northwest Church. Um Houston Northwest Church is a uh, church that is 48 years old. It was planted in 1973 in the northwest corner of Houston. I have been the pastor here for almost nine years. It'll be nine years here in uh, two months. Um, I am married to Joy. Uh, Joy and I have been married now um, for 22 years, and we have two sons. Uh, Our oldest son is Ben, and Ben is a junior at Texas A&M. and whoop. And my uh, youngest son, Andrew, is a senior in high school, and uh, he's yeah, I'll be graduating. We'll be empty nesters here in less than a year, and that kind of freaks me out a little bit. So that's good. And um, yeah, so uh, pastor, uh, former church planter. Um, I do a lot of work in the city and a lot of different areas. Um, you know, depending on what's happening in the moment. And um, yeah, just excited to be here with you guys today and hang out.
1: So, what platforms are you on, and do you have a preferred platform?
0: Um. So I'm I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I think technically I have a TikTok account. I've never made a TikTok video in my life, um, although I'm getting increased pressure to create one because we had a young lady in our church who I baptized about six weeks ago who came to faith on TikTok. Um, so the, she, the, she came to church after coming to faith, watching a TikTok. Like, we didn't reach her per se, you know, through any of our typical ministries. She heard the gospel on TikTok, got saved, came to church, was like, hey, I need to get baptized. So that was, that was a first for me.
1: That's awesome. Uh, so
0: that was pretty cool. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, you know, then you guys remember like other, like I had a MySpace account. I don't think we're talking about MySpace anymore, but I had one of those. I don't think I had a Zanga, but I remember friends who had a Zanga. had a blog spot, you know, all those kinds of things. But yeah, so I've been... I've been around these here interwebs for a while, um, but probably the one I use the most uh, or Twitter and Instagram, probably the two I use the most. Facebook um, is predominantly a place for me to post pictures of my kids at momentous occasions and to make announcements regarding my church. Um, It is the platform that the majority of my church members are on. um, So it's easiest for me to reach everyone in my congregation that way but I would say Twitter and Instagram tend to be more outward facing for me. I don't know if that's universal. So um, that's kind of the, I approach those two a little differently.
2: So your, your main ministry, Steve is, is actually in person as a a pastor, but uh, you know, you lead a large church, you're, you're active in your community. You're active beyond your local congregation. Uh, You have a lot going on. Many pastors at your church. Um, and well, sorry, a lot of pastors who are busy like you would actually cut social media out, right? As a, a time suck. And so um, just based on time alone, right? I mean, that's the truth, right? That's what they would say. And so. Yeah, no doubt. No um, doubt. I guess the, the, the question we have is why haven't you? You know, you're on social media, you're active as well, and, and using it, you know.
0: Um, the, the correct answer might be because I'm irresponsible, but I'll try to put a better (laughs) on it in the
2: show, in the show.
0: (laughs) No, I, I think that, um, years ago, I thank you for asking that question, Hector, you know, years ago, the thing that it was Twitter that really kind of captured my attention was, um, for some reason, um, I was able to do ministry through the internet and I haven't really been able to figure that out. I don't know if it's a personality thing that I've been able to um, maybe uh, extend kindness in a space where uh, hatred and vitriol are the most common responses, but um, I think that in a a dark place, light is more easily seen. Consequently, I think in a hate-filled space, kindness is more evident and as i became connected to people through a variety of circumstances in different social media platforms i always had a goal of treating people as if they were actual people rather than avatars and engaging with them as people and that seemed to catch some attention so over the years i've had some really i don't know powerful moments of, of spiritual conversation through that So for me, it just felt as if it was a fruitful place to do ministry. And I can't spend tons of time on there. Um, You know, as we were discussing before we started recording, I'm I'm sort of in and out. Um, I can't monitor it. Uh, But when I hop on and I engage with people, I try to do so in a way that lets them know that they're seen, loved, cared for, and appreciated in a way that is not... um, the way that I think a lot of people engage with social media, which is to dunk on people, to prove that they're wrong, to, um, to shame them publicly, um, instead of looking at it as a place to, to demonstrate kindness, care, and love. So that's probably one of the big reasons Um, not to talk too long, but I think another thing is just, I I think that a lot of people in this world have a lot of spiritual hurt and baggage. And I don't think it's just in the American church. I think people in a lot of other religious contexts have the same thing. And I think a lot of people in international contexts. And one of the things that I've found is that people don't necessarily hate the church. Like that, that seems to be the thing that people say, but they don't really mean that explicitly most of the time I think most of the time what they mean is I hate the way I was treated Mm -hmm. and I hate the way that I felt in my particular expression. And one of the things that I found is that God's given me at least a ministry to, to encourage people and to reach out to people. And, and in doing so, it seems to awaken people to the possibility that maybe they don't have to be done with God and be done with church. And I've just seen enough people come back to the faith through that, that I'm, I'm convinced it's a worthwhile way to spend my time as long as I manage it wisely. So hopefully that's kind of what you're driving at.
1: Definitely that it's a, so it's worthwhile. And, um, but you, you do talk about that. It's a, that it's a dark place and you talk about there is light in there you know, you're, you're bringing the light and there are other people who are bringing the light. You're, how do you see social media impacting your congregation's in-person lives?
0: Man, uh, profoundly. Um, I think that narratives are being multiplied and spun all the time on social media, you know, um, particularly with regards to politics and ideology. I just see people, you know, really garnering um, their understanding from the of the world from whoever's voices they've chosen to amplify into their lives, and I don't know that we we set out to create echo chambers, but I think that a lot of people on social media end up creating echo chambers because they follow individuals who share their opinions, which then. You know, social media platforms then say, oh, well, maybe you'd be interested in following this person or maybe you'd be interested in following this person who are like minded. And so they do so. And if they have any interest in politics, be it conservative or liberal, they end up in a in a place where all of the voices they hear are only voices from one side, which then or one perspective, rather, which then leads them to believe that anyone outside of that sort of perspective is unreasonable or at worst an enemy. And I I just see that in my church, a lot of people can fall prey to that, which is why I think that um, not making that your life is huge, Uh, the internet, you know, social media, but also then recognizing that social media is, you know, might be a place where you can make an announcement, might be a place where you could share a picture of your kids, might be a place where you can um, craft and share a message and even engage with and love people. But at the same time, be acutely aware of the way that it's forming you, because it is not a passive tool. Uh, it is actively working on each of us. Mm.
1: Yeah, The way that I've seen social media impacting an in-person congregation is that they, they find something online that someone has said that upsets them, or someone likes something that upset that they don't like. They get upset, right? And then they leave the church and they don't have the conversations and they don't, they don't work it out because it is kind of training us to just kind of cut ties. And if you can cut ties that easily online, you can start to cut ties that easily in person. And it's really hard because I think that we are not looking to, we're we're not training ourselves in how to retie things, you know?
0: No, that's that's really good insight, Sarah. I think that yeah, reconciliation is definitely on the decline. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things too, yeah, I'm sure you guys have read all this stuff about like you know the sorting that's happening currently in culture, and I think that you know churches were once a place where uh, political and ideological diversity sat side by side in pews and created unity. And so I think it helped us put faces with ideas. And as the culture has become, first of all, more secular and more post-Christian, fewer and fewer people go to church. But then secondly, I think that social media has created this accelerating force regarding the sorting of culture. And so people look to choose a church based on finding a more like-minded congregation instead of being in a congregation uh, filled with people that have different opinions. And I think that that also makes it to where we see reconciliation is less of a needed skill. And so, yeah, I mean, I think you're, I think you're onto something there, Sarah.
2: No doubt. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Well, on the flip side of that question is how how have you seen your presence online impact your congregation's online lives?
0: Huh. Well, I don't know how my online life has done it. But I definitely talk about it from the pulpit. so i I have come out pretty vocally uh, after seeing, you know, particularly you know a decade ago, fifteen years ago, when social media was still very, very, very new. And you could just see the difference between the way that people would behave in person versus online. I, I don't know that it's as pronounced as it is now, but I would see these people who would be sweet as pie, you know in person, but then they would, hop online and, you know, they would rant and rave about, you know, all of this other stuff. And you think, what the world's wrong with these people? So over the years, I've definitely tried to to speak to that and say, you know, the way that you handle yourself on Facebook is as if you stepped into the public square, raised a, a megaphone to your mouth, and then shouted this. Because every time that we publish something to Facebook, it's like we're releasing a PR statement with our name. And we need to think about that. And um, you know, if you if you have on your Facebook page or your Twitter profile or your you know Instagram or whatever, uh, you know <laughs> that you're a Christian or you know Jesus follower or whatever you know thing it is that people are doing, putting a Bible verse up there, and then you know you're you're treating people with hate, and you're being really really just a jerk, just a punk in the social media space. All that does is convince people that Christians are exactly what they've heard that they are. Mm-hmm. And so I just have really tried to convince people social media is a ministry. It's not some sort of neutral, you know, hobby in, in which you happen to you know, dabble from time to time. It is actually a real life thing. And, you know, like there's a phrase out there I'll hear people say things like, you know, well, Twitter's not real life. And I don't know what they mean by that. Exactly. And I get that sort of like, you know, because you're in an echo chamber, uh, most of us are at least, but I do think that there is something to the fact that you are engaging with real people and real people are watching what you are saying and to not handle yourself in a way that is as if I'm interacting with real people is to make a massive mistake with regard to public witness and also simply with regard to relationship building. I think that we burn bridges whenever we decide to come out swinging. So those are some of the things I've tried to try to address. I,
1: so I follow you on Instagram, follow you on Twitter. And I don't know if we're connected on Facebook, but I spend a lot less time on Facebook than I used to, but I follow you on Instagram. And, um, like the things that you're doing, I'm doing, there's like kids sports and meals and hanging out with your friends. It's like people magazines. They're just like us, like pastors are just like us, you know? So sharing your life online is a really great way. I think for pastor's to be to show that they're real people and not like these figureheads who never have hard things and only think spiritual thoughts and only speak in quotable quotes and like you only look at them up on a up on a physical platform. But the the leveling that online platforms have makes a pastor so much more accessible in a way that that is almost a challenge in person. Have you seen the way that you share your life online change the way people interact with you as a pastor in person?
0: Absolutely. I think this is more of a challenge um, for my family than for me, because um, no one else in my family is really active on social media at all. And so they don't really know what it is that I'm posting or sharing. And so we've had to really kind of hit a reset on some of those things, because, you know, our church is pretty large, we're in a pretty big city. So even people who don't go to our church sometimes know who I am, because it's sort of the quote, unquote, Christian community within the city of Houston. So like, you know, people would come up to my kids and be like, Oh, so you did such and such. And they just said that it's really, really weird that, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people know what I ate for breakfast or you know, what it was that I did. And I just feel like I have no privacy. So we had to kind of shut that down, pull that back a lot. I I, um, I had to get a lot more clearance and permission before I would share something. Uh, Joy, you know, really was like, hey, before you post a picture of me, tell me that you're going to do that. Let me see that. Um, and that is because I think as a pastor, we're already in a fishbowl. And that was just basically like cleaning the fishbowl and making it even easier to see in. I don't want to say that I'm curating what people see, but I mean, it is that to a sense because I want to honor my family's privacy. Yeah. And so, you know, there can be times where I just don't post anything for a while or it's very much the same thing because they don't want every aspect of their lives broadcast. And I can, I mean, I can understand that, and respect that. I think also too, then as my wife Joy has brought up, you know, anytime that I post something on social media, she'll say, you know, they think they know you but they don't really know you. They know this much of you. And they only know the part of you that you're willing to to publicly put out there, which is also totally true. And so she's really, she has the spiritual gift of discernment. So she's very, very attuned to the fact that I'm cautious in that area. Uh, Just making sure So there'll be times when I'll be a lot quieter on social media. Uh, There will be times when I'll turn off uh, any ability for people to comment or to to reach out to me just to kind of, you know, if I feel that I'm I'm getting a little out of balance, I feel like I manage it a lot better now. I know that like in the morning, I'm going to do some uh, kind of devotional thoughts. And then on a typical day, like I'm busy, I'm working, like I don't really have time to mess with it. And then I'll look at it again, kind of in the evenings. And that's probably when I'm at my healthiest. So I'm looking at in the mornings, the evenings, and then I'm kind of, you know, kind of done with it Um, uh, from there. That's for me. I'm not saying that's what's best for everybody, but that's me. Um, I think that whenever I get out of balance on it is whenever I'm spending, you know, tons and tons and tons and tons of time and I'm not engaging with the physical world. So. Uh, That having been said, so do people engage with me differently? Yes. And so I have to be aware of that. And I have to kind of, I have to, I have to try to gauge how is it that people are coming to approach me? Are they, do they have a realistic picture of who I am, what my life is, or do they have sort of like a pie in the sky uh, picture? So that's, that's kind of that, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that absolutely. You talked a little bit about uh, the devotionals, and so one of the things that you do on Twitter is, you know, just these short uh, teaching moments. So I want to read one of those really quick. Um, this is from earlier this month. Uh, so what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them. But what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. From Matthew fifteen eleven, Jesus reminds us, righteousness is not measured by our ability to keep rules. It is measured by our hearts. And that is revealed by what you speak. So with, with these devotionals, um, I mean, that's one thing that, that's really great about Twitter is that there's these short kind of blips and moments um, and, and really easy to craft the teaching moments or the, the the teaching thought. I think that's that's an easy thing for pastors to be able to use social media for. But do you, like, what's the heart behind it or the thought process? And, and like, are you crafting these? Is this something that's separate from from your in in person ministry like can you just tell us a little bit about these these thoughts these moments
0: yeah absolutely i did my doctoral dissertation on Dietrich Bonhoeffer and one of the things that Bonhoeffer did was he started a seminary and as part of that seminary he he taught that the first word of the day belonged to god and so as a personal practice i um the first thing i do every morning is i get up and i spend time reading scripture i do a different reading plan every year this year i'm doing the uh, the reading plan from the Book of Common Prayer, going through um, so several passages that I'm reading each day. And what I'm trying to do is, as I've basically said, the first thing I want to post each day mm-hmm. is a word from God. So before I start firing off whatever witty thing I think is in my head that day, or you know, whatever funny thing my kid did, or whatever insight I have into the world, I want to give the first word of the day to God. So that's really the the thought behind it, mm-hmm. and. Um, those are born from my insights that day's reading. Um, they're not planned. I have no idea what today's, or I mean, what tomorrow's will be rather. Uh, it's just when I get up and I read. So um, and if I don't have like anything that's super profound, uh, which is most days I'll just kind of like, you know, pound out a, you know, a verse and then, Hey, this is just kind of a thought that came to my head as I was doing that every now and then something will be a little more Uh, meaty and I might write a Twitter thread on it. Um, And then there's some days where it's like, you know, just the word itself is really all I need to share. And I'll just post a verse. I do that. I would say most days, Um, Tuesday mornings, I pray with my elders at six 30 in the morning. So I don't do it on those days because um, I don't have time to. And then on Saturdays, I try to spend way less time online. It's just for my own mental health. So I don't do it most Saturdays. So that's kind of like the rhythm behind that. So the thought is I want to give the first word to God. And my thought is, is that I am modeling online behavior. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. So I'm thinking, man, I would like it if my people every day before they started looking at their phones would give some time to the Lord. So I'm going to try to to model that. So that's, that's kind of the heart behind that. And um, then I think, too, the other thought is, is that over time, like, I don't know the right way to put this, but over time, people see that and they go, you know, this guy is consistent. He's consistent in the faith. He's, you know, this is just sort of who he is. I do think that, that uh, social media reveals who you are truly after a while. Like, you're either kind or you're a punk. I mean, it's just kind of, it, it comes out. And I think that um, what I what I realize is is that I want people to be able to to see that over time the way I engage with people the way I you know respond with you know people who kind of come at me I want people to go okay that guy is kind he's um, he's uh, he honestly tries to model the character of Jesus that's what I hope people see and they say. And so then I think that over time that's led to people reaching out to me with any variety of questions or thoughts, Um, you know, Hey, I have a question about this. I know you don't know me, but would you be willing to kind of give me your thoughts on that? And, and I think that's how relationships have started through that. So I just see that as a way to, to do ministry is to be consistent in the public square over time. And I think consistency in Christ over time leads to opportunity, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. One, of, one thing, when I watch you engage online and I think about how, um, like you are actively, like my impression of you is that you are actively in the lives of your congregation. You are actively in the lives of your city. Um, and when you are online, like you, like you say you, you post and then, then you head out, but, um, you don't just post and then not engage with people. Like you, you interact with them, you talk with them, and so that when you are when you are online, you are present. Um, and I think about um, the difference that that would make for a for a church. Um, like if you if you show up at your son's football game and your congregation members are there with you and they're sitting near you, they're probably going to be kinder in their commentary to the coaches and the, and the refs. If you were, um, if you go to target and there's your, your people and they are disappointed with the service they are getting, or, um, they may be kinder to, um, to the person at target, you know, so one of the things that that I I think to myself when I watch how you engage online is that I can't help but think that your your presence online must must and, and you know that that you stay that you say from the pulpit like online the way we engage online matters and then you are there online. So it's not like you tell them that, and then you say, go run along and do it, and I will never be there um, to see if you do it or not. Like, I can only imagine that your being present makes a difference in how they um, engage online. So that if you're around, they know that you're gonna see what they post, that they'll just naturally behave a little better, I would imagine, um, and you would, you would also know a little more, you would know faster, um, if there are disagreements that originate there so that if somebody leaves, you know, you already, you already saw the post and you already saw the commentary and you already saw the conversation. Um, and so I, you know, one of the, the things I think about, like, when I want, what I want people to hear from you is that that, that the the active presence of a pastor while you take into consideration like the boundaries and the safety of your family and the boundaries and the safety of your heart, you know, and your mind, as far as how much and your time, how much you can give to this, like, like it is doable that a pastor can shepherd his flock just by small engagements.
0: Yes. And I, I mean, pastoring means that you go where people are, right? I mean, so on Sundays, a lot of them are at church. Um, Whenever I'm at the football game, a lot of people are at the football game, you know, seeing like you said at Target, but another place that people are is online. And I think that I don't have the luxury of completely disengaging. And I know guys who do that. You know, I just think we have a different way of looking at it. Like that's a real part of life now. I can't ignore it. I mean, I I wish that I could, it would be a lot easier, but I need to know, I mean, people are telling me what they're thinking. Like they're putting it out there. This is what I think. I think for us to not engage in that way is to really miss out. And I don't even necessarily have to comment on something or like something or, you know, whatever, but it helps me understand better what my congregation thinks about any number of topics. And that helps me as I'm crafting sermons. That helps me whenever I'm bedside in the hospital that helps me whenever i'm uh, leading a class and discipling because i know the things that people are struggling through and it allows me to speak to those more effectively so if i don't like the social media is a a window into the soul of congregants and if you don't avail yourself of that you can still be a pastor but you might you know you might have some challenges
1: so what do you tell your people about social media? What do you want people to hear about social media?
0: Yeah, I think the biggest thing that we try to teach is honor and respect. Just te- treat people with honor and respect. I think that, and you know, I'm not the first person to say this, just we treat people differently online because we see them as avatars rather than as human beings. And that's the problem. And if, uh, so one of the things that I have tried to do as a practice, if someone I don't really know uh, it would be different if one of you guys, you know, disagreed with me on a particular topic, because I would feel like I have enough back and forth with you that I would not think this, but like, sometimes I'll post something, you know, when someone I have no interaction with ever will, will hop on and say, you're wrong. Boom, 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 boom. And I don't know about you guys, but whenever that happens, my natural response is not to say, Lord bless you. You know, it's, I want to come at them. I want to be right. I want to win. And so the first thing that I've noticed is that if I use their first name, when I respond to them, it it helps me respond differently. So if I say, hey, thanks for reaching out, Hector. I appreciate your perspective. It just reminds me I'm not talking to a robot. And then I craft my response in a way as if I'm talking to an actual human. And I think that matters. Um, And I try to model that. Um, I will say that there's been a couple of times. I don't know if you guys are Enneagram people. I'm an Enneagram nine. I'm a peacemaker. So I'm I'm not a big conflict guy. Um, And there's been a couple of times where I've wanted to avoid conflict, but I have to lean into it because people are watching, and I have to handle it in a way that is respectful. That's actually more helpful than just avoiding it. Um, there's been some theological comments, there's been some um just different moments where people were so disrespectful that to not engage would actually look like it was a condoning. And so I think that's the other thing. you know you've got to be mindful of that. And uh, yeah, so those are those are some of those those moments.
1: How do you handle when you see your people not engaging well? Because I think a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of pastors would just be tempted to not handle it and say, well, that's just the nature of social media and it's, that's what it is. But how, how would you, I mean, how do you handle that?
0: It's different depending on the situation, but most of the time I try to shoot them a text. If I have their cell number, I don't handle it publicly. I don't think there's anything that really ever is positive that comes out of that. Most of the time I try to shoot him a text and say, Hey, I'm watching the back and forth on this. I, I would just tell you, I don't know that this is going the way that it should. And you, you ought to reconsider that. Um, that's typically the most common thing I've done uh, every now and then I've, you know, grabbed someone on a Sunday. Hey, I don't know what's going on here, but this is not helpful. Um, That's maybe only happened two or three times, but I I have had that conversation. A couple of times I've told people, you need to take your post down. Like that's that's just divisive. That's not helpful. So, and whenever I try to remind them, you're not, like they think of it as speaking for themselves. And I'm like, no, you're speaking for me whenever you do that. And I think as soon as they they see that, they immediately begin to recognize that.
1: How do they receive that?
0: Depends. Depends on the person. Depends on the situation. Most of the time they receive it well. Some people don't, but that's church. That's people.
2: Yeah. 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 Well, so we, we like to end our shows saying two questions and it's because we, we want to hear, you know, we've, we've heard some of the things you've shared, but we want, we want to, to hear like, the, the reality of the struggle and the reality of like how God works um, in this space. And so can you tell us about a time you were trying to live out your faith, trying to share, you know, this good news, Jesus, right? All, all of that, right. Uh, where you're trying to live out your faith online and it just, it went poorly. It backfired or yeah. blew up in your face or you know, maybe not that, that level, but just, yeah, I mean, trolls are
0: real. Right. And so, I mean, like there was a guy who, um, for whatever reason, um, he saw that I was a pastor and he definitely pulled a fast one on me. I mean, like he kind of did this whole, Oh, help me understand, answer this spiritual question. So I engaged with him and immediately like he, he was trying, he was trying to argue that the Bible was unreliable and was completely made up. So his um, his arguments were terrible. Anyone who'd ever taken a hermeneutics class could see through them, but he was combative and was just quote tweeting me and like, you know, trying to dunk on me. And at first, because I'm wired the way I am, I try to be really patient and, you know, go, you know, do whatever. And after like three or four responses back and forth, he was basically calling his buddies to come and to just pile on me. And uh, I ended up like at the bottom of uh, of a heap. So I, I pulled out the block button that day and made my life a lot better by the time it was over. But that was that was frustrating. That's the first one that comes to mind. There's definitely been others. But yeah, so that's that's probably one I would say.
1: Yeah, the um, it is it is rare for me to block somebody. But it does happen. And there are just some circumstances where where the block button is just blesses your life
2: absolutely i i think more people i mean i've said it a couple times on on the show but i think people should take a walk around the neighborhood with the block button you know sometimes just just go through your your timeline you know or like when in those stressful moments because like even even today i was scrolling twitter and i was just like man like there's i can feel when like I'm being blessed by like my time on social media and I can feel where it's just stressing me out and like sometimes that's tied to specific people and the mm-hmm. and how they behave online and so yeah let's just take a take a walk around <laughs> yeah, the block the park I
1: don't want to like the thing that I'm trying to be cautious of is you know um, we the less blocking I do the more um, the less of an echo chamber I feel like I have and I want to be mindful that I don't like put myself in a fishbowl and then go look at all you dummies out there in your fishbowls. And they're like, look, you're in a fishbowl too. Dummy. You know? So I try to be, um, I try to be not super blocky, but I do get that man.
0: I mean, there's millions of people on Twitter. It's okay if I can't see eight of them, you know what I mean?
1: That is true and you're not and you're not called to pastor the entire world
0: no most of those people don't want to be pastored by me anyway
1: right fair point fair point yeah so and we don't want to end on a downer um, okay we don't want to end on on block buttons and and trolls so can you tell us about a time that you were just being your pastor self online and it went well and people were Somebody was ministered to or somebody was um helped yeah. or changed.
0: i think that you know being consistent over years i was trying to you know let me hold on i'm sitting here i can figure what year did i join twitter i don't even want to know do i because it'll be like think of all the time you've wasted but let's see it's okay been- <laughs> i have been, guys i've been on twitter for 13 years that's crazy but um so I was thinking about the fact that I joined in 2008. Our church was flooded in 2017. Hmm. Our city was hit by Hurricane Harvey and it caused massive devastation. So that's, you know, nine or 10 years there that I'd been trying to just be a you know a consistent pastoral voice. And um, whenever our city was hit, I used social media on all platforms that I had to amplify the need and to call for donations and a call for volunteers. And we ended up with li- literally hundreds of thousands of dollars donated to our church. Um, World Vision set up uh, a uh, a dis- distribution hub in our church parking lot. Tons of people came from all over the country to come help people who had been flooded. And I, I think that was the fruit of 10 years of consistency. And then you go, guys, uh, we need some help. And people who'd kind of been like, hey, this guy posts a verse every morning. He interacts with kindness. He seems to be someone who's legit. Whenever you said, hey, can you spare 50 bucks or can you give a weekend and come help mud people's houses out? They were like, yeah, I can do that because they had seen over time, hey, this is this is real. And I was really, truly blessed for probably August, September, October of 2017. I got to use that just as an, a, a megaphone for ministry and God really blessed it. So that was super cool. I
1: I Have seen you've been able to use that space for you gathered supplies for refugees. I also think about you know, I had um, someone come into the DM that Hector and I are a part of and said, You know, this person is looking for a connection to help this person that they know where they are. Does anybody know anybody near this person? And I was like, Oh, well, that person is in Texas and that person I think is near Steve. So let me shoot Steve a message. And they were actually part of your church, and so you were able to connect with them. And so, like those sort of things, I mean, it's consistent with how I perceive how you do ministry in person—that it's active and it is meeting needs and engaging with with the people that God would have us care for.
0: I think that's the thing, um, <laughs> like. I don't know that, like, nothing against, like, enormous churches, you know, churches 10, 20, 30, 50,000, you know, whatever. But I think that at the end of the day, the reason that people are drawn to faith is that it's an expression of love and care in a time of need Uh at, at root. I mean, I think about what drew me to the gospel was that my parents were divorced, and I was in a home without a father. And men in a church treated me like I was a son. I had a need to be treated like a son. And I came to faith through that. And I think about that. Basically, I just I think that's how people come to the faith is that they are cared for. And I think that that should extend essentially in every direction with regard to ministry, including the Internet. You know, let's just love people. And, you know, so I'm not in it to quote unquote, build a platform for the platform's sake. You know, I I opened up my Twitter account here. So I can't believe this, that 8,231 people have chosen to follow my Twitter account. But I think about, you know, 13 years ago, it was eight. So I think that just over time, people go oh that makes sense i want to follow i want i want to be part of that and but i'm not an i'm not an author i mean i don't have any books i don't have i'm not a conference speaker i'm just a dude pastoring one church in houston and i think that you know 8231 followers might sound like a lot but not really if you think about 13 years i mean it's just you know hey i mean that's not even a thousand a year i mean that's just hey i'm out here trying to do my thing and as you hear about it, maybe you'll be encouraged by it. And I think that's that's what ministry is. So if I was trying to sell a book or, you know, sell a product, maybe that would be different. But I think if I'm just trying to faithfully represent who Jesus is, that's 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 okay. And that's what I'm trying to do is to just be a faithful yeah. representation of Jesus in the middle of a spot that doesn't always have that.
2: Yeah, that's so good. Well, thanks, Steve, for for just taking some time with us today. I I really have appreciated uh, this conversation. I um I think I think I've told you this already, but I found you because of an article oh. on forthechurch.com. And I mean, so I I don't know what article anymore. I I can't trace down the the Twitter post, but I remember reading something you wrote and just just wanting to know more wanting to, to like find other articles. I just appreciated your perspective. And, uh, and so I've been following for, for a few years now. Uh, it's actually the, the way that I was introduced to the weird <laughs> Christian Twitter community. Um, and so it's just fun to be kind of here full circle, you know, now with, with you here on, on a, a show about online ministry an online impact and how, you know, there's several different ways that that can look. And again, what God will do as we post things on the internet, you know, we don't know the impact that they will have. We don't know where they will take, not maybe not us, but other people. Um, and so, um yeah, this is, yeah, a man,
0: same. I, I, that was super encouraging. Because you know you write these things that end up on blogs and different websites, and you wonder, does anybody even read them? So that's that's really cool. So thank you. Um, And I I would just say that I appreciate what you guys are doing. You're sending some some good things out there into um, cyberspace. And like you said, you know how many people listen to it, how many people, uh, how people take it, what they do with it. You may never know the full impact of it. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about shooting it out there is just you know trying to create positive ripples in the pond.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we had um mm. this is actually the second one we're recording today and the first one we recorded when we asked her to share about a time it went well, her story was about someone who who watched what she put out there but never commented, mm. never liked anything, but their life was changed.
0: Mm. So, wow. So,
1: hearing that twice in, in one day that you don't know, you don't know the impact.
0: That's good. Yeah. No, no guys, I'm, I'm encouraged. Thanks for inviting me. I'm really tumbling. So thank you very much. I appreciate it.
2: Absolutely. Well, everyone, thanks so much for for listening into the conversation and just spending some time with us and uh, you know, just, just looking at, Online ministry, social media ministry, and you know, I think for for those of you who are still with us, I think this will be episode twenty, um which is I mean twenty feels like a small number, but like twenty episodes ago we were at zero, and I so we
1: have like three.
2: Yeah, Not and enough. so so just you know being on this journey with us, and if you're here just to to know that like there's still more space to explore and it feels like we've covered so much but so little and so thank you for for being on this journey with us and exploring with us and we'll catch you next week cool thanks guys